Welcome back to the Daniel Muggleson podcast. It's me. I'm Daniel Muggleson. I'm the guy. Good to have you. Good to be here. Uh, sorry about the lack of interview last week. I ran out of road. Don't worry. As I said, Tuesdays. This motherfucker comes out on Tuesdays now. Me chatting. That's a Tuesday. Then on the Thursday, you will hear me talking to a comedian uh, from this year's comedy festivals. Right now, it's Sydney Comedy Festival and Perth Comedy Festival. If you have anyone you want to hear, international or not, drop me an email, dan at the running. No, that's the other email. Dan at danielmuggleton.com.au. That's where to send that. Uh, other thing, my Sydney Comedy Festival show starts May 3rd. Tickets are on sale. The Friday pretty much sold out already. Uh, if you want to come through or know anyone in Sydney, please get them in. It's a good show. I think they will enjoy watching it live. You can get those tickets on my website, www.danielmuggleton.com.au. And we are also one month away from my first ever international tour in the UK. If you know any Brits, if you know anybody uh, watching watching that sweet King Charles getting the crown on his head this Saturday, let him know. Uh, again, on my website, that's where to find the tickets for that nine dates up and down the UK. We're going England. We're going Scotland. We're going Wales. I'm very sorry, Ireland. I'll do it next time. Okay. That's good. We got through the stuff. We're about to get to Verticoli, but I feel like I've been teasing this for a minute and, uh, want to shut the door on it because we're done. We made it happen. I have figured out the name of the listeners, of this podcast. I'm going to two-tier it. I'm going to class system it in honor of, you know, the monarchy that continues to reign in the UK. Let's introduce a class system. If you are new to the pod, if you're getting around it, if you're dipping your feet in the water, if you're checking the temp, uh, I, I think you're a muglet. That's what I think. I think you're a little muglet and you're trying to figure out what it's all about you might one day grow into something greater than that. But for right now, a muglet with some podcast in your ears and some hope for an improved podcast in your heart. <laughs> However, some of you, you messaged in, you're asking for advice, you're giving us the ratings on Spotify, you're doing all the good stuff. You deserve a greater ranking. You guys, uh, you guys are an integral part of this podcast and you are the only Dans, the ODs. You guys are the ones giving it everything you goddamn got, and I respect it. Uh, I have introduced those tiers on the Patreon. Feel absolutely no obligation to sign up to them um, because there are no benefits. There are no benefits to supporting my Patreon at this time. There will be. There will be soon, but I'm just fucking around with this thing at the moment. I'm trying to make it something you want to listen to. It's not the kind of thing I need your money for yet. Keep it. Spend it on a very thoughtful Mother's Day gift if Mother's Day is coming up in your country soon. Mother's Day and Father's Day is different around the world and it's fucking weird, but not important. Keep the cash. If you want to support me, great. I do appreciate it, but no stress yet. But I put I put a link to the Patreon so you can see Muglets and Only Dance. I feel like the spelling of Muglets is particularly cute. I wanted you to have a look. So that's all. That's all you need to hear for that. Uh, this week on the pod, tracksuit origin story because uh, for the first time 
in almost three years, I did a gig not wearing the tracksuit, not by design. I was just called up last minute. Uh, second thing, I talk about the coronation. He's getting coronated. King Charles, it's happening. He's not just a spaniel no more, baby. He's happening. Uh, and then finally, uh, a bit of dissection of my show in Melbourne with the very funny Luke Benson. He saw my show. He had some notes. We went through some joke writing theory. And i got to apologize for the audio quality on that. He is a Geordie using speakerphone, and it's almost impossible to decipher. So good luck. And to get us there, you guessed it, it's Verticoli. So leading off with a bit of tracksuit chat, chat about the old tracksuit. I've got some personal news. Um, that's right. This week, this week, there's photographic evidence on the Comedy Store Sid Instagram page. This week is the first time in, ooh, I reckon two years. Two years that I have done a gig not wearing a tracksuit. Uh, it was not by design. It was that uh, I was at the comedy store already. I was helping my mate film his show. And they had a dropout on the showcase. They were like, Dan, you're here. I was in date clothes. I was in skivvies. I was in civilian fatigues. Is that a thing or is it only military fatigues? I don't know. Civilian fatigues. I was in them. Uh, I was in my casual gear. It was Mufti Day. These are these are all just ways to say that I was just wearing normal clothes. I do that sometimes. I think some people kind of have this uh, cartoon character assessment of me in that I wear a red tracksuit at all times. Like my, my outfit never changes uh, because the animators don't want to learn how to draw me in another thing. But no, look. To settle, settle the rumors. I'm not, I'm not a never nude in the sense that I'm just constantly wearing a red Adidas tracksuit under everything I'm wearing to begin with. And outside of comedy, not all the time, don't get me wrong. You see me walking around a lot of the time. I would say 90% of the time I am wearing, at the very least, tracksuit bottoms. I'll always have something Adidas on. Let's go with that. Something by Adidas will always be on my person. Sock, shoe. I got into their basics now, the t-shirt range. They make a good tee. I got to say, bought some on special members week. Adidas, free plug. One day, one day they will uh, return my loyalty. Repay my loyalty. That's what I'm looking for. Repay. Ugh. Not deep into the pod already. A goddamn misspeak. You hate to see it. That's one. Put one. On the scoreboard for this week. I'm going to start counting them. I think that will, I think that'll reduce them in future. Uh, but anyway, so uh, always wearing something out of ass, usually wearing some kind of tracksuit thing. But yes, I do own a pair of jeans. I, I don't like wearing them. <laughs> They're deeply uncomfortable. When you've been on the in the tracksuit for long enough, I promise you, these aren't even tight. These aren't even the skinny jeans of my early 20s, the skinny jeans. Uh, that have left two sections of my calves bald. I don't know if anyone else got that. I think I, I should ask. That's a good question for you out there, the listener. If you were a skinny jeans wearer in the skinny jeans heyday, 2005 circa 2015, um, do you have hair 
on the upper outside section of your calf because my ball smooth as eggs to quote Mr. Dave Chappelle smooth as eggs on both sides evenly and the only diagnosis is the skinny jean just just the rubbing the touching and rubbing like not not like anyone was like needing the gene in that exact uh needing with a case or needing the gene in that exact area to remove there i'm just saying just i think the fabric itself the cheap mondays fabric that i could afford as a young uni student who was still flirting with the idea of socialism needed a nice tight pant to really carry off the persona um yeah they just rubbed it raw and it's never grown back like my monobrow hairs are still are still like a, a weekly if not fortnightly pluck just to just to take care of that ever since I was 15, 16. But the skinny jean bald patch on the calf, it's there for life, baby. I don't know. That will be fun, actually. I'm pumped for that. When finally, uh, you know, I knock up I knock up the old the old ball and chain when I impregnate the wife and I can uh, start doing something uh, to my look, not rapidly receding hairline, but a thinning hairline, a hairline that, you know, is allowing me to touch areas of my skull that has previously, you know, not been, it's, it's previously been covered. They're just been like, Hey, let's let, let's let this little corner out for a, out for a little, a little breath of fresh air. Um, when I start treating that with some kind of, you know, future drug concoction, um, I'm excited to see if it also gets rid of the bald spots on my calves because they've just been bald for so long. No, I don't know if they're noticeable. If you ever see me in shorts, um, do do email in. <laughs> email in on the shorts. Why not? You see me in shorts, you see the ball patches, you didn't notice, email in. Let me know. This is the kind of detailed podcast experience I demand for the muglets. The Muglets and the Only Dance. Both. Both groups deserve it. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah. The tracksuit thing. My God. Look, it is late, uh, as always. And so the, the tangent level on this podcast will be probably higher than I'd like. And let's be honest, significantly higher than you'd like. Like, absolutely. Not even close compared to how high you'd like it to be. But... Um, yes, I did a gig at the comedy store. I was wearing, I was wearing a, a little, a little button down linen number, uh, because I went to, I went to private school and that's the law, uh, in your, in your early thirties, get those linens, make people think you made some money on crypto. Why not? Uh, and, and jeans and yeah, Adidas shoes. There you go. Always something Adidas. I think it was like the Stan Smiths I had on. Um, cause let's be honest, I don't own a more formal pair of shoes and yeah, I, I was, I was there just watching my mate show, helping him film it. And then I was going to go out to dinner, uh, with Mary, my lovely wife. And they were like, Hey, do you want to come do the spot? And I gotta say, it was a very nice moment. Cause like, if, if you're unfamiliar with Australian comedy, uh, the Sydney comedy store is largely, uh, considered like the grail in terms of rooms you can play. Like it's a, Purpose-built comedy space in Australia, about 300 people. Uh, it is a delight. It is it is such a great room. Uh, the lineups are always very strong. And I remember when I was newer, like the idea of being able to play there was like such a significant milestone to me. And it was nice this time when they were like, hey, do you want to do this spot? Someone's dropped out. 
I said when and not in a way like when can I go home in time to change my tracksuit and then return with enough with enough time to get in the right mental energy to to do well at the comedy store and become uh, the next big thing because the president of Australian comedy will be watching. Uh, but just like the dinner reservations at 8.30. So if it's any time before, you know, 10, I probably can't make it. It's nice. You know, it's nice to not desperately want the thing anymore. It's like fun to do now, but it's no longer like, man, if I bomb at the comedy store, I'm going to need to to decompress, like to meditate, to get over that vast disappointment. So like, yeah, bro, it's a fun gig. I'll do it. Um, and yeah, there was plenty of time. So I went to dinner, came back. And I'll be completely honest, I was packing it. Just, (laughs) look, just packing it, packing it in the sense that, all right, so obviously I did comedy for, I don't know, seven years, I reckon, at least seven years, maybe longer um, without wearing a tracksuit, it went fine, blah, blah, blah. Even in the UK, where I got into tracksuits, really, and started wearing them a lot more often uh, casually and having a bunch of different ones, I still didn't wear the full thing on stage because I thought it was a bit a bit much. You know, I thought I was trying a bit hard, and if you know Australians, there's nothing worse than effort. Uh, that's the worst thing you could do. Um, but I was packing it for this reason, because I like wearing the tracksuit. I've got my custom ones now. It's fun. I like doing that. I like having my kind of work outfit that I'm like, hey, this is what I put on. Then I do comedy. Then I take it off and I'm just, you know, not not working no more. It's nice. It's a nice thing. And um, that was the reason. Like, obviously you're comfortable in your thing and you're like, ah, like with comedy, it's kind of superstitious in a weird way. You know, like you're going out there, you got to connect with these people that can go wrong at any point. Like I've never met anyone who's beyond bombing. I'm certainly not. And I was like, oh God, I wasn't really planning to do a gig and uh, now I'm not wearing the tracksuit. And if I eat it tonight, like I've just been doing shows in Melbourne for a month. This is like a club set in Sydney as opposed to a festival show in Melbourne. If I eat it tonight, not wearing the tracksuit, everyone is going to fucking light me up forever being like, you're not funny, the tracksuit's funny, you can't do nothing without the tracksuit, you're only funny because you're red, like your jokes are shit, the tracksuit probably writes them for you, like, (laughs) just that, right? Just that thing where when you see someone fail, you, you rinse them for that, like you just, you just, as, as they should, as they absolutely should, if I, if I knew somebody else uh, with with some kind of look or gimmick and they went without it and totally sucked, I would mention it. I would absolutely do that because that's the correct thing to do. So I was there being like, fuck me, if I eat it now, there is going to be a long way for me to crawl back. Um, and it was really funny because on stage, I almost felt the need to address that I wasn't wearing it which nobody, <laughs> nobody could have given two shits about. The only person I think fascinated was my wife because she was in the bar and she actually came in to watch the set, which she wouldn't usually do if I was just doing a fucking random spot. Um, but yeah, she, she came in just to witness it. 
uh, just to be like, how's it going to go? And it went fine. It, I started a bit slow. I'll be honest. I think, I think I was a bit thrown. I was like, why are these pockets so tight? Uh, I don't have my upper pockets. I'm a fidgety guy on stage. I like having things to touch. Um, that sounds creepy a little bit. Oh, nah, fuck. It's not creepy. It's me. I'm the only one I can touch up there. Solo act. Fuck you. Um, anyway. So yeah, but then I got in there and it was all fine. And then, uh, everybody, my, my favorite thing has been, they put the photo on the Instagram and then people have been messaging me like other comedians, obviously no one else gives a shit. Um, other comedians have been messaging me being like, Hey dude, what the fuck? You don't wear the tracksuit anymore. And I've just been vehemently de- denying that it's me. <laughs> I've just been like, look, I've got a pretty fucking generic head. Uh, I've, I've got, you know, very much bland, middling comedian vibe, you know, glasses, moustache. I'm wearing a button down and jeans. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've got some really interesting take on fucking Uber for you. Um, and so I've just been vehemently denying, doing a bit of shaggy, doing a bit of wasn't me, doing a bit of that. Um, I don't think they believe me, but it's fun. It is still fun. It's like, yeah, I think it's some American guy. I don't know. Fuck, it looks similar though. Um, but that's that was that was my weekend. It was interesting. It was just interesting because, like, I don't know. I it 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 reaffirmed to me that I like wearing it. I think, if anything, because without it, I was just like, ah, this doesn't feel like me doing my thing at the moment. You know, I'm not gonna wear it forever. God, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be in my fucking 70s in a tracksuit looking weird, confusing everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, no, that's that's what I like doing right now. I don't like the tight jean pocket. My left hand was too high when I was trying to rest it in there. It felt, it felt you know, difficult, difficult to enter. Um, but I would, I would, I thought, I thought given um, that happened because a mate of mine, it was the thing was like, you shouldn't wear the tracksuit because Australians hate anything that looks different, even if it's an outfit. They fucking hate it. Like, you shouldn't wear the tracksuit. It's better without the tracksuit, you know? Even Jim Jeffries hates the tracksuit. And I was like, well, let's let's settle the fuck down. Because if if you don't know, and I don't know if you know, um, the reason that I kind of had the courage, is that the right word, um, to, to wear the full tracksuit in the first place was because... Um, I did the show with Jim Jeffries in Manchester Arena. My mate Amos Gill opens for him all the time. And I was hanging out with him. We kind of had a night out and he started chatting to me about UK comedy and all that stuff. That's when I was living over there. And uh, later on, he was like, hey man, do you want to open for me at Manchester Arena tomorrow? And I was wearing a tracksuit the whole time. I don't think he even knows my name still. Like we've met several times since that, but I think I'm tracksuit to him and always will be. Um because I, I, I made us uh, not get into a bar that we're trying to go to because of the tracksuit. Because in the UK, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a, it's a colors thing. It's like a gang thing. Um, and I was wearing like a blue tracksuit. And they're like, you can't bring that in there. Um, he's like, fucking tracksuit. And like bought me a bunch of shots and stuff. And yeah, uh, we were, were hanging out. We, he invited me to do the show the next night, which is really cool. Like it meant a lot to me. I think Jim Jeffries is an absolutely brilliant comedian. Um, probably... Like, I mean, easily one of the best comedians Australia's ever produced, um, if not the best, if not the very best. Um, so to be able to work with him in an arena, which was just so, you know, beyond anything I'd done before, I think it was like 4,000, 5,000 people. It's pretty hectic. Like it's, it's so many. Um, and basically due to, due to a series of events <laughs> uh, that involved 
um, him wanting to go out again later on that night and be like, I'm not going to get turned away from another fucking bar because you're a stupid tracksuit. Um, so wear this. And he gave me his pants and he had my pants just back at the hotel. Um, I needed, I, I had to go to Manchester from Birmingham myself on the train. That was, that was part of the deal. Uh, he was like, Hey, paid spot 10 to 15, get in the car kind of thing. And then his tour manager was like five to seven unpaid and you get your own way there. And I was like, dude, fuck, fuck you. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I'll get, I'll get the bus. I'll get the mega bus to do a show at Manchester arena. That sounds fun. Um, so yeah, I did that. And then when I got there, I like, he hadn't given Amos my pants back and I needed my pants to do the fucking set because I had my tracksuit on and he was like, dude, I don't know if he's going to bring him. And I'm like, well, fuck you have those Adidas bottoms. Can I just grab them? I'm a superstitious guy. What can I say? And uh, so I went back into the hotel. There was a whole thing. It was like the Manchester United football team was staying there Weird. um, and went upstairs, got his, came down. Jim Jeffries is already in the van, being like fucking tracksuit, threw my pants at me. And I was like, oh, well, look, I've held up. I've held up the arena show that I was booked to do uh, at 3 a.m. last night. Oof, great first impression. Um, anyway, so I get changed at the show, wearing the tracksuit, go on stage, take the top off like I always used to do because I just thought wearing the full thing was too much. So I wear the gray T-shirt and the tracksuit bottoms. And then apparently when I was on stage... Jim goes up to Amos and he's like, man, this fucking guy, like we go, we go back into the hotel. I'm stressed trying to find his fucking tracksuit pants and he takes it off. What the fuck? And then when I get off stage, I was like, hey man, that was really meaningful to me. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, all that nice stuff you do that you mean, that you sincerely mean uh, when a senior comedian you admire gives you an opportunity and he was like, you're the only comedian I've ever met who has a look until they get on stage and just walked away. Like he didn't think, I'm sure he doesn't even remember saying it, um, but that really stuck with me. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> like if you'd hung out with me in London, especially on a night out, I would wear a tracksuit like a large amount of the time, like full tracksuit. I had a bunch of different ones. I wasn't as brand loyal at that stage. I had a dope velour filler one that I used to like. And like a, a polar fleece kind of added us one that I've still got. It's like, it's kind of, it's kind of puffy and like, um, yeah, just like it's green, like kind of dark green that Mary got for me for my birthday. And I was like, shit, that's true. I wear this stuff off stage. The one time when, you know, everyone's fucking looking at you, I take it off because I want to, I want to, you know, stand out less. And so, yeah, that was genuinely the, the turning point for me with that because uh, I went back to London um, the next day I had a, had a headlining show that night, uh, wore the full thing then and then taped, uh, my final show, my, my solo show in London the next night, uh, at the Bill Murray, part of Angel Comedy Club, full tracksuit. And then I flew back to Australia and yeah, like that, that kind of footage from that was what I kind of first released online and like the kind of first video of mine that ever got like a million views and, I was wearing the full tracksuit and then it was just kind of locked in from that stage. And yeah, it's, it's just funny because yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be interesting. I'm sure he just have no concept of that. Um, but yeah, it's funny how that kind of thing, just some kind of fleeting comment makes everything kind of crystal clear where you're like, Oh yeah, I should, I should just probably wear it the whole time. Hey, And then now, you know, this far down the line, 
I got like five different red Adidas tracksuits. I was wearing the wrong size for like a year and a half without realizing. Now for the special, I got those custom ones made up. Like the, they're, they're, a, they're a Puma base. Don't tell anyone they're a Puma base. And then I got my face like, you know, printed on top of that. And the Puma logo is stitched over and all this kind of stuff. And then now, yeah, I'm like talking to a guy about a proper custom, you know, direct from the factory type thing. Uh, or it would be me 100% of the way. And, you know, would I be doing that if not for selfishly holding up Jim Jeffries' tour in order to go get my lucky pants <laughs> before my big arena show? Who knows? How did the show go? Fine. I was incredibly hungover i was on first going up a hundred percent cold to the point where some people saw me that show and they're like mate not not just was that a cold open for you that arena was fucking freezing that entire time um yeah and i did like seven i got some i got some applause breaks and whatnot i did well closed a bit weak would have liked to close a bit better and then uh, my mate amos went on and absolutely fucking roofed it because he's been opening for Jim forever and he's a killer act. So there you go. That's where the tracksuit thing comes from. One gig on Saturday, not wearing it, hating not wearing it, really, really disliking not wearing it. Didn't feel like me at all. And uh, had another gig tonight, straight back on, straight back on. And then Let's be honest, straight back off because I had dinner with my mum <laughs> straight after my wife and my mum. So I was like straight on stage in the tracksuit, straight off stage into the jeans, into the Elton John t-shirt. Love Elton John. And then to a fancy Italian restaurant still wearing, you guessed it, the Adidas Stan Smith shoes because they are the most formal pair of shoes I got. There you go. The tracksuit origin story. Did you want it? I don't know. I just thought it was funny uh, to think that people have heard Amos's version of that story, which really focuses on me pissing off Jim. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, he fucking hates the tracksuit. But, uh, well, it's his fucking fault. I'm wearing it. So there you go. It's a draw. It's a draw between me and Mr. Jeffries, who I hear is doing pretty well. All right, it is that day that we've all been waiting for. I know especially the American listenership bloody pumped for this Saturday, the coronation of King Charles. It's on. You've heard about it. You've heard about celebrities refusing to perform at it. You've heard about uh, Harry and Meghan, mostly. Mostly them. Are they coming? Are they not coming? Do they want them to come? Do they not want them to come? Who wants who to come out of the two? Is she angry? Are they angry? The whole vibe. Uh, but now it's finally happening. England is getting a king. And by England, obviously, means Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales as well. And uh, all the other little, the little Commonwealth countries out there, like Australia. Australia gets a king. My first king. Never had a king before. Um, don't know how I feel about it. Don't know how quickly... It's going to impact the other side of the coin. Um, that's weird, actually. I just realized I have no idea what's on the other side of an American coin. Is it the same guy on every coin? Have I ever seen an American coin? 
I think when you when your dollars are notes, there's not really a lot of coins going. Is it just George Washington on every coin? Like he's just the guy because he was like the first president. They're like, fucking have every coin forever, mate. You deserve it. Fucking good on you. Never told a lie. That was him, right? And he's on a note. Actually, Queen, El- Queen Elizabeth was on a note as well. This is, look, this is, again, certainly an era, uh, a product of the times. Um, well, not of the times, of the time. 12.37 a.m. This is the fucking product of the time. To a rat. Sorry, I got sidetracked. American coins. Please tell me the answer to that. I think it is just George Washington, which seems like heaps, you know? There was like all the founding fathers. Why does this motherfucker get every coin? Not important. So, King Charles getting on the coins on the other side, being heads. Being heads moving forward, uh, except obviously on the Australian $2 coin where there's an uh, Aboriginal elder's head on one side, and then the Queen's head on the other side. And when you call heads, you mean the Queen's head. But it's a bit uncomfortable. I hope they change that. Not important. Not important. <laughs> but an awkward thing I realized when the Queen died. Yes, the coronation is on. He's being cor- coronated. That kind of sounds like he's being burnt. Coronated. It's happening. Uh, the world's watching, I assume. I'll probably have a look. I think my comedy show... My Sydney Comedy Festival show might be on during it, which I can only assume is severely impacting ticket sales. Uh, a coronation, the kind of thing you can only see live, uh, unlike comedy where watching on a replay is pretty much the same, to be honest. Just ask Chris Rock. Um, so he's being coronated. My mum my is having or going to a coronation party. I can't figure out uh, whether she's hosting it or just uh, participating in one. I kind of get it. It's a bit of fun. Like, you know, as as much as I do think Australia really should start thinking about being a republic, we haven't. We haven't thought about it. We've got nuclear submarines. They're shinier. Um, but, like, we should think about it. I think this is the time. You know what I mean? Just like, she's dead. He's alive, but very old. Like, probably not, they're not really doing much for us. Like, I don't think being part of the Commonwealth, uh, despite, you know, the sweet-ass medal tally at the Commonwealth Games is really offering much to Australia. It's weird. It's weird in the sense because you just know that Australia is a Commonwealth country, uh, which means we are technically subjects. I don't know if it's subjects, actually. Like, look, the head of state is the Governor-General who is appointed by the reigning English monarch. I was about to say Queen. I was about to say queen in my head. That's how fucking entrenched it's been. That's the main thing about Charles having the coronation. I'm like, oh, like we have a king now, you know? Like I definitely, the way that I see it, have thought of Australia as currently having a dead queen. That's kind of my, like she hasn't been replaced. She's just dead, you know? Kind of like a grandparent. You don't get another one. Like, it was great when they were around. Now they're dead. You don't get another... Like, even if, like, you know, my my wife does have a grandparent who is alive, like, they're not now my grandparent. They're Joe. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense in that, yeah, 
So we're just kind of, there's the dead monarch and now we're going to have an alive monarch. It probably still will feel like the dead one, but technically it's definitely a live one. So now we're kind of back in the Commonwealth proper. We have not discussed the Republic at all. I Just for anyone wondering, like at parties, on public transport, I, I, I can't know about television because as always, I don't have free-to-air TV. And if I did, would I watch Australian programs that discuss things? Probably not. Hmm. So we don't have, I don't think we're going to the Republic, at least not soon. So the coronation party, why not? But then now it's been the week of the coronation and you start hearing all, <sighs> look, there's, there's not a gentle way to say this. You start hearing all the bullshit because in my head, a monarchy is a system of government and a commonwealth is a useful check and balance for the Australian political system um, because our head of state is not directly elected by the people, so they never really have any authority in any significant way, even though they're technically the commander of the armed forces and you know, technically the head of state, like they're not like the people feel no connection to them, so they can never get a bit cheeky, you know? If we elected them like they do in India, like directly elect the head of state for like some kind of presidential position. Um, then they start being like, well, they want me too. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like you're just an old person who's done well. So now you get to, you know, say who's prime minister. When we tell you who's prime minister, you get to confirm that and otherwise just kind of sit still and make half a million dollars a year, which is true. They make half a million dollars a year. I looked it up when the queen died. I was disgusted. That's so much money to do fucking nothing. It's a ceremonial position. Ugh. But anyway. So that's how I look at it. Like I never think about it being a king with like some kind of God-given right to rule. And now it's been the week of, hey, like, do you want to pledge your allegiance to the king? <laughs> and it's like, fuck no, brother. Like, no, like pledging the allegiance to the king, like saying the words, like, you know, this is, this is what the king this is what the king means to me and I'll be their subject and I'll be loyal like nah like I know that technically that's implied given me being an Australian citizen Australian being in the Commonwealth but it's the same as when iTunes updates their terms and conditions you don't read it you just still listen to music <laughs> I think that might be the most eloquent point I've made on this podcast. I hope you I hope you stuck it out long enough to hear it. But yeah, right? Like it's I don't want to pledge allegiance. I'll have the Union Jack in the top corner of the flag, sure, whatever. That's what's happening right now. But me personally, cuz Charles is like, "Hey, like subjects around the world like in Australia should watch the coronation and say it out loud to themselves." Like, like it's a new fucking Pope with the Lord's prayer. And it's like, nah, dude, my, the thing that got me, look, you know, every now and again, when you just read something slightly incorrectly and jump to a fun conclusion because you think it'd make life more interesting and it just ends up making you seem like a dumb cunt. Yeah. That's what happened with the pledge uh, for me. Cause in the guardian, like the, the, the headline was public 
invited to swear. And that's the first four words of like a 10-word headline and I just filled in the rest. (laughs) This is so dumb. But like for a day until I I looked it up again, being like, that can't be right. Like I just thought, because I knew that Charles was like, hey, you guys can say the pledge along with us in your own homes. And wouldn't that be nice? Like just millions of British people saying it at the same time, kind of like clapping for the NHS, but instead of the underpaid, it's the overpaid, right? So he's like, you can say that together. And I read the swear thing and I was, I I knew that he'd extended that to Australians being like, just because you're not in the UK doesn't mean you shouldn't say it. And I was like, is he asking Australians to to cuss <laughs> for, for just use of a synonym there. Like, is he asking Australians to be like, yeah, like you can pledge your allegiance to the king, but give it a bit, you know, just because <laughs> we're sweary people. And he knows, he knows Australians. And I'm like, maybe he's trying to sell himself as like the cool monarch, like the Pope's like, you can wear condoms, brother. Don't worry about it. I love that that's like the cool Pope. Like, obviously, the cool people, I like, take the condom off. Raw is raw, you know? But, um, yeah, like, so this is the thing. They're invited to say the words, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successes according to the law, so help me God. And I'm picturing, he's like, yeah, jazz it up a little. It's like, I fucking swear that I will pay true fucking allegiance to your bloody majesty and your heirs and your successes according to the law, so help me God. Like, just give it a bit extra, you know, just like to your, to your cunt heirs and fucking loser successes according to the fucking law. Cunt, so help me. Like, just give it, you know what I mean? Just swear in it. And I genuinely thought that was like a PR angle for a day until I read the next five letters of the headline, researching it for this podcast. Because I'm like, oh boy, do I have a talking point for the listeners this week. The new English monarch is inviting his Australian subjects to call him a cunt in the pledge to create more loyalty. Ooh, bit of fun. The American listeners are going to fucking love that. But here we are. I misread it. Um, let's be honest, misread the vibe of the whole thing, I think, (laughs) to suggest that King Charles would just be trying to get himself over the line so desperately as to like, yeah, just chuck in, chuck in a bit of effing and jeffing. Why not? When you're doing the pledge, I'm not going to hear you. I'm not there. You'll never interact with me except, you know, through the coin in your pocket. But if you feel like swearing to really get in the mood, fucking go for it, brother. I get it. I'm, f- I'm King fucking Charles. <laughs> Ugh, such a dummy. But yeah, it's like, I, I gotta say, like, and I, I know that I've been negative about Australia before. I think that's probably um, a, not an insignificant part of my personality type is that I, I'm not fucking how good Australia, like a lot of people who live here. Uh, but yeah, just just the sheer lack of conversation around leaving the Commonwealth. It's pretty funny because like British people, like British politicians, like people of power in Britain 
are like, yeah, Australia doesn't really need to be here in any way. <laughs> like they're kind of surprised we're still around. Like it kind of it kind of has a bit of that, you know, yeah, during uni living here, that was to be expected. But now he's graduated, he's got a full-time job and he's still here. Like he's still living with us. Like we were... We're actually looking to downsize because economically we're not in the position we once were, but he's just still here living in the other room. But like he's got a full-time job, like, but, and and he's paying rent to us. Like it's less than it would be to someone else, I guess, but he's still paying rent. Like what's he waiting for? Like, is he trying to buy, like he could, like he's actually got an investment property that he could live in. He's got land. <laughs> But he hasn't moved out yet. He just seems to be comfortable here. And even though everyone else is kind of talking about it, being like, dude, he's still fucking living here. It's been it's been three, four years since he graduated. You know, he's got like he's got a raise, he's got the investment property. He's just moving there. Like, why wouldn't he move out? Like there's there's not a huge tangible reason for him to stay. And yet we don't even discuss it, I feel. It's it's odd. I I don't I don't have I don't have a great explanation for you as to why it hasn't been discussed like you know from a personal perspective like just you know trying to remember uh you know things I studied at law school in terms of like constitutional law and whatever I do understand that our political system is quite stable and one of the reasons is that check and balance I mentioned with the governor general being appointed by uh, the British monarch, so you can kind of make sure that they never have a grab for power in any way. But at the same time, it's like, isn't it? Isn't it just time? Isn't it just time to go? Like we're our own country. We don't really have anything to do with the UK anymore in a significant way. Like, I mean, if anything, we're an American state rather than, you know, part of the Commonwealth. Like we're an American military base in the Pacific, like a big one, <laughs> but that's kind of it. If you were to really boil it down, that's, that's the culture we're getting. That's like probably, I'd love to know if more Australians now immigrate to the US and vice versa than the UK and Australia. That'd be a good stat because I reckon the shift is on and it's closer. Direct flight, baby. Sydney to LA, done. Like the direct flight to the UK is only from Perth and that's showing their true colors because they're the only country thinking about taking uh, a bit of a public holiday for the coronation. So there you go. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And if I'm being 100% transparent with you, I don't really care that we're not. Like I, as someone who you think would care more than most people, I'm also of the opinion like, yeah, it's fine. There's other shit. There's other shit to deal with than Australia getting King Charles off the back of a coin, the Union Jack off the bed of the flag. And, you know, we've got total autonomy governing anyway. So what fucking difference does it make? I don't know. Are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch it? That Yeah. You know what? As always, I love hearing from you. Dan at danielmuggleton.com.au. Are you watching The Coronation? And if you are, let me know where you're from. 
Like, is it because you're Australian, you think you should watch the kind of historic moment? It's a historic moment. There's no doubt. It's the first. I, it, it probably won't be the last coronation I see unless Charles's health is fucking spectacular uh, or I die very young. Let's not, let's not rule that out. Uh, remember that whole pending military complex, uh, military conflict? Fuck! Another misspeak. That's two. That's two for the pod, count it up. Uh, another, that pending military conflict in the Pacific, you know, who's to say? But yeah, if you're watching, let me know. And why? Is there a morbid curiosity? Like, because it's starting to get silly. The stone of destiny. <laughs> this is the kind of dumb shit I was talking about. This is the kind of bit that you can kind of brush under the carpet where you're not really paying attention to what the monarchy thinks is happening. And you're like, oh, no, he thinks he's, he thinks he's appointed by God. He thinks he's God-given right to rule. And, you know, a bunch of British people are going to have to move a stone from Scotland to England and back because it's the stone of destiny. And if the stone of destiny is not there, then who's to say what his destiny might be, governor? Ugh. It is weird, isn't it? Like, I that would, if I was, if I was looking for Charles to buy me another year's, another year or two of Monica's support, if he just kind of came out and was like, hey, boys, fuck the stone. I don't need to see the stone. It's just a fucking rock. Like, let's not let it out too. Like, let's be honest. The only reason he's not doing that is because tourists will come in to see the fucking stone, so he needs to play along, you know? He needs to be like, nah, 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 it is the stone of destiny, though. Like, that's why you have to, you know, pay 12 quid 50 and stand in line for ages, and you can't touch the stone because then you might catch my destiny. Uh, you, you can't, you know? Like, this is a real thing because otherwise our tourism industry would have less things to show people and it would really, at that point, be 100% things that we stole. <laughs> it's not an exhibition at that point. It's evidence uh, from crimes that have unfortunately passed the period of prosecution. Uh, so they're going to stay in the British Museum forever. Free entry in the British Museum. Fair play, fair play, fair play. All right, that's my, that's my coronation. Coronation party! My mum's gone. I don't know. My mum's doing it. And I'm okay with that. But I hope you're not. But if you are, let me know and let me know why. Great. Oh, sorry. This is good. Good timing. This segues. Ooh, hot segue. Um, this was going to be a longer segment, but I realized there were two problems. Basically, the segment was uh, my friend Luke Benson, who is a uh, Geordie comedian from Newcastle upon Tyne in the UK, Came to check out my show in Melbourne, had some notes, and I was like, that could be an interesting thing because I'm always trying to figure out what part of the comedian experience, like it's, it's, a, it's a Venn diagram thing here. What, what part have you not seen before and what part would you find interesting as listeners, right? Because there's so many podcasts just talking shit and whatever, but I'm like, what about the other bit? That's why I do like the geology joke writing thing, right? So I was like, hey, maybe you'll find that interesting. Like two comedians talking about a show they saw, kind of looking at a little bit of punch up or like structure or like callback or whatever. Um, but the problem is, he's a Geordie. His accent is difficult to understand if you don't know it to begin with. 
And we did record this with him using speakerphone. So it's a fucking nightmare. But that said, the other problem was that it kind of gave away too much of my new show to the point where I was like, ah, I don't think this is something we can do ahead of time. Maybe when I put the special out, we can really kind of forensic CSI fucking comedy special, that shit, comedy special investigation, CSI, why not? Um, and I can kind of talk you through that and what, if that's interesting, again, I'm always all ears if you have an opinion. Um, so yeah, that I, I couldn't do the full chat. It was like an hour chat. Um, but you wouldn't have understood a fucking word. <laughs> but I have found a little five-minute chunk here. It's going to be five minutes. And it's going to be the end of the pod. I'll say goodbye and all that kind of stuff. So if the audio quality is too much for you, that's fine. Thanks for taking it this far. You're almost at the end anyway. But if not, uh, this chat starts with him saying he's not a monarchist. So let's go to Luke Benson doing some comedy special investigation talking about my new show how the whitey have fallen and i guess it's really just a question of taste spelling out the joke do you want to do it do you not want to do it here we go have a listen have, have you yeah. considered uh, have you considered the ever-inclusive kings queens and in-betweens well, no, because I'm a <laughs> Sorry, of course. Thatcher, austerity, got it. My bad. Um, <laughs> um, well, no, no, that, 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 that's fun. So, yeah, um, if we could sort of uh, dive back into the, the notes. You had a bit about nap. You had like, a lovely bit about um, the bank. Oh, the different really? banks. Yes. Yeah. The, the NAB, National Australia Bank, if you're, if you're unfamiliar. It was funny. I had a friend from the UK come to my show and she's like, yeah, I work at ANZ now. And I'm like, what's ANZ? And she's like, the bank. And I'm like, you mean ANZ? And she's like, yeah, oh, but we yeah, say yeah. Z. And I'm like, mate, that's no one knows what ANZ is. <laughs> Not a single person yeah. in the world. It is ANZ as a fact. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, a joke man. about the different banks because I never knew how to leave my bank. That's all true, by the way. Like, oh man, I yeah. yeah, I didn't know you could just switch. Like, I I've only started opening other accounts like in the last twelve months, like of my well, life. Yeah, I, could, um, I need to I need to do that. Yeah. I went to Vietnam and got my card copied, and I was fucked. <laughs> and, um, and because of COVID and stuff like that, I've just sort of forgotten how to travel. And yeah, so I'd forgotten to be like, oh yeah, shit. You probably need sorry, a couple of S and there, but you probably need a couple of you need to have a spare bank, you know? Yeah, because you need to what? have like a like a piggy bank, so to speak, you know? Just like yeah, that goes yeah, over yeah. there and then this is the real stuff over here. Kind of like back in the day account. when men had two families, you know, that one. Yeah, yeah, the good old days. They probably yeah. had two bank accounts too, to come to think of it. Would have been quite risky. <laughs> two families on the yeah. one account. Yeah, indeed. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, so ex excellent joke again. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't want to go now. And I think you said, I can't remember what the joke was, but the, the thing that I wrote down is, does now take your full skin? No, just your house. Yes, right. You just like, you actually joked it out. Because yeah, I, I, I was just the with the, the implication, for, for just anyone following on, um, the implication that 
I could leave my religion really easily and everyone told me how to do that, but no one ever explained how to leave my bank. So I was treating like the other banks outside of the Commonwealth Bank as different religions and using religious stereotypes about what they let you eat, like foreskins, like that kind of vibe. So yes. Yeah, great exposition there. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can um, you imagine how unfunny I'm making this show seem? It's incredible stuff. Oh, no. Well, once it's got like a bit of music underneath it, yeah, so yeah, no, that's that's just not- your house. Yeah, yeah, I like that because that kind of punches it. Because I mean, that's yeah. I'm seeing like a few of these notes actually, and I think that's probably an interesting thing where like I have premises. Like, you know, talking about Nazis, it gets them, like, no one's ever accused them of not getting people where they need to go. Whereas in your note, you've kind of put the joke on it of, like, Auschwitz. Whereas I'm like, no, 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 the subtext is sufficient. Like, everyone, everyone will get it who's going to get it. Like, which used to be a line I actually said about a joke I had. Did everybody get it who's going to get it? (laughs) You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. But that's and just a taste yeah. thing. But I think having the extra line is useful for when they don't laugh at the initial line, you know? Well, I feel like what you're doing is um, survival of the fittest. Survival of the wittest, let's call it that. You're, you're, <laughs> you're basically saying if you're willing to do the little bit of work, then, then come back next year. You survive. Yeah. If you're not willing to do the little bit of work, I don't need you. It's it's actually just, just by the ticket this year. That's it. It's a one night stand. It's a one night stand between us. It's it's a it's a it's a actually like a comedy Ponzi. Like I just keep doing that year after year till you know ten years down the track. I just say the premise, and I'm like, you guys figure it out and pause for two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dream. You, you, uh, you you're evolving. You're <laughs> smart man. Yeah, he has me trying to really spoof it. Like a moron. But um, I, I mean, see, this is the thing. I don't. I, I definitely disagree with your little little moment of self deprecation there. How dare you? Um, but like I, I find I find it interesting because when I watch you, I really enjoy it because it's like this is a joke kind of fully fleshed to the end. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I try to. I am unsubtle in, um, in in what I'm in what I do. I feel like they've got to work hard enough just to understand my voice. <laughs> All right, we did it. We made it through another episode of the Daniel Muggleton podcast, the podcast with more promises to improve per capita than any other podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, do take a second to jump and give us a little five-star rating on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you do listen to the podcast. If you want to get in touch about anything, it is dan at danielmuggleton.com.au via email if you email i will read it and sometimes respond let's be honest i won't respond to all of them um time management is not my strong suit now i hope you enjoyed the chat with luke i hope you enjoyed the little tracksuit origin story and i hope you enjoy uh king charles being coronated i like saying it like that because it makes it sound kind of dirty slash dangerous getting coronated next week holy shit i hope he's okay um hope you dig that i will be back this thursday i promise lock that in i promise there will be an interview this week last week got away from me plenty on but this week interview happening and if you haven't already pause this right now 
and message every motherfucker you know. Let them know that my Sydney Comedy Festival show starts this Wednesday, May 3rd. Uh, tomorrow, if you listen to this when it comes out, uh, and finishes on May 7th when we have the new king. So I'd love to sell some of those out. The Friday's basically already sold out. Uh, let them know. Otherwise, to get you into another week, it is, you guessed it, Vertical. It's your-